Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala Sermon Podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. What follows is an audio recording from our Sunday morning worship gathering, and we hope that you will find it encouraging, challenging, and helpful. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. Well, good morning, church. There we go. The mic's working. Imagine with me, if you will, that you've been part of a family that has owned a business for a long time. In fact, you know that your father's grandfather's grandfather worked in this business. In fact, when people came to town in your capital city, your building was the one they saw. Your building is the one still talked about. Your building is the one in which people came to town and they were tourists. They wanted to have their picture taken in front of it. In fact, as long as you can remember, people have been coming and you have been serving them or you have been working your job there for as long as you can remember. In fact, you had made it up to the highest position possible. And you had great stories to share with those who came behind you. And you were like, hey, remember Uncle so-and-so. Remember them. They did this. And it was in the news and it was in the papers. And you got this young guy, this young protege that comes along. And you've been training them. Since he was born, it was pretty much because of his last name he was going to go into this job. And you trained, prepared, worked with them, told him all the great stories of what had happened through your family. And one day he says, I'm not doing it. That's the prophet Jeremiah. He will go from priest to prophet, from serving in the temple to being a prophet. And we'll see today that he will take his message into what we're calling this series, The Mean Streets. For it doesn't take long into the pages of Jeremiah to figure out that his message wasn't well received. But there is a cool spot in which he starts, and we'll dig into that this morning. We'll find out that God has called us to communicate his word in our streets. We'll find out that God has called us to communicate his word in our streets. And what are our streets like? What does it look like for us to take God's word to where we live, where we work, where we play, where we hang out, where we spend time with people? For it hasn't changed. So turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1. Does anybody need a Bible this morning? Jeremiah chapter 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin. We'll stop there. Jeremiah, the son of Hilkah, one of the priests who were in this city, in the land of Benjamin, Anathoth. Jeremiah is probably only 18 to 20 years old. He's raised by a family of priests, with the lineage of priests, more than likely groomed very specifically to be priests. His family had ties to high-ranking national priest functions that included the great reforms of King Hezekiah from 2 Kings chapter 18. 
His homeland, get this, is three miles northeast of Jerusalem. Traces its lineage. So even his zip code has priesthood in it. When Joshua assigned the land, he said, this is for the priest. So even when you mailed Jeremiah a letter, it said, to the land of the priest. His city, his town, where he lived, his parents, the lineage. Matter of fact, you can say his last name. Man, hey, you, you're going to be a priest. And it was a good function. You, you, you know, this is what God has called him to do. The Levites, we studied this this morning in Bible Fellowship. If you were a tribe of the Levites and you wanted to be the high priest and you weren't in that family, God had some very strong things to say about it. See the sons of Korah. But in the time frame, this is in the 13th year of King Josiah's reign is when he gets his launch. But Jeremiah is going to go 40 plus years. His ministry starts during the high times, the spiritual awakening and the reforms of King Josiah. Josiah will be that, little, that leader of the little tiny Judah that will eventually get caught between Egypt to the southwest and the Medes and the Babylonians to the east. Jeremiah is going to see God's word come true on an international scene. God's handwriting to Jeremiah will make him a national power player. But Jeremiah was also born under the wicked king Manasseh's reign. The change in his career will be during the stability of King Josiah. It will go from chaos it will go from stability to chaos in a time of radical change. There will be tons of international brokerage power movements going on. But more importantly, Jeremiah is going to cry out for spiritual reforms while God's chosen people are going to experience historical changes spiritually and physically. In the time when Jeremiah gets called to this, there's a lot of false hope. The politically world of Hebrew Judah is an independent nation. It's small, but they've actually started to grow their own boundaries. The competing voices of the prophets of Jeremiah's time are they're saying, peace, peace. Nothing bad's going to happen. It's really a good time with God's people right now. How often do we demand God's blessing in our lives when things are financially secure, we're stable, and even, get this, if spiritual reforms are happening around us, we say, hey, these are good times. We don't need a voice coming in and say, hey, get your act straight. But there's been a long-standing revolt in the heart of God's people as a society, as a community, that has exasperated the God that's incredibly jealous that you only worship Him. So Jeremiah steps onto the scene during these times. His voice will echo hollow against the foreign policy, financial reports, and even the, their own spiritual leadership. But the battle will be lost within the household of faith before the physical battles ever begin. And the enemies, quote-unquote, that come in and take charge of Judah, God calls those his servants. enemies that God will use. So as we go home tonight and you get stuck to Fox News and you say, that guy's my enemy. Oh my goodness, things are going well, but now they're not. Or man, I'm financially secure right now. And you're glued to Fox News and you can't get enough of it. 
Imagine you're Jeremiah and everything's stable. Your interest rates are low. Your 401k is high. You're living in high on the hog in your retirement or you're coming up through in your promotions and somebody steps on the scene and says, hey, you better watch out. There's a cold wind blowing from the north. How would we react to that today? And how, Ms. Sue, you brought this up this morning. How does a young man start in his ministry and do 40 plus years without being clinically depressed? I thought the same thing. You're getting your start against the grain of everything that you've been trained for. Everybody that's trained you and you've gone against your family name and you're going to say bad things about them. How does he ever sustain 40 plus years? The cool thing about God's word, there are moments in there when Jeremiah gets to cry. And it's kind of like Moses. He complains, but he gets to complain it to the God of the universe. God isn't scared of that. So as we walk through our mean streets, we're like, I've had enough. This is goofy. God says, hey, I'll listen to that. I ain't scared. So we get to watch Jeremiah go through that. But Jeremiah chapter 1 is the foundation of which Jeremiah will go through. He gets his call to what God is going to call him to do. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1 and look at 1 through 3. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkalah, the one of the priests who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. We're going from high times, great spiritual reforms, clear to what? How does it end? So in the first three verses, you know, oh, this book ain't going to turn out good. Open up War and Peace and figure out in the first paragraph that it's going to end horrible for the main character. How many of us would clip, flip, keep on flipping pages? But how does he manage to keep on going? The saga of Jeremiah begins with an introduction. It sounds more like a shared experience than it does a received oracle from God. The words of Jeremiah can also be translated the deeds of Jeremiah, the experiences of Jeremiah. So this is God's way of saying to you, hey, I've called my prophet, but he is going to give you his personal diary. Would you go along with him? We like autobiographies and biographies that end well that have great endings. God has recorded for us 52 chapters of things that not necessarily go well. But start here at the beginning and recognize that this is Jeremiah recording this, saying, this is my story. This is what I went through. Isn't it cool to have that empathetic ear when life is tough? So as God calls us to go to our neighborhoods and spheres of influence, to go into our mean streets, and it's tough, we got a common voice right here. It's kind of encouraging in an odd sort of way. It's his own diary. So we have the words of Jeremiah, and then we have that parallel pick up in verse 4, now the word of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then Jeremiah responds, Ah, oh, Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Don't say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. 
And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Although set up with training and upbringing, God meets Jeremiah and calls him to a drastically different role. Although established by God before he was ever in the womb, this verse is not a hallmark card for anti-abortion. This verse is for, hey, I knew you before you ever existed and I have a call on your life. Before there was ever anything that happened in your mama, I have knit you for this purpose, Jeremiah. I am going to appoint you to this, Jeremiah. Before your family with that name said you're going to be a priest, I was working. But get this, Jeremiah gets to interact with God. He gets to individually interact with the Creator and say, what is my, he's finding out what his purpose in life is. So he has to have an individual response to that. While God had planned this way beforehand, Jeremiah still has to have his experience with what does that mean for me. Jeremiah still has to have his experience with what does that mean for me. It's where God's sovereignty is in play and where our responsibility to that call comes into play. And these come right here together. And what does Jeremiah respond with? Hey, that's some cool doctrine, God. I want to go right along with that. No, he yells. Oh my God, no. He's right. He's going to transfer from what is expected of him into the land of the unexpected and unknown. Remember, at this point in our story, Jeremiah has no idea how the story is going to unfold. He's right. He is young. He's not a polished public speaker that you're going to pay millions of dollars to have him come to your resort. He's a kid. He's going outside of his training. And God says... I want you to speak. He doesn't have advanced master's degree in what God's called him to do. Oh, Lord God, behold, I don't even know what to say. This, I'm young and this is way beyond me. You're 18 years old and you're getting called to an ambassador for England. You might say that too. Because God says, I'm going to use you to change on a national front. I can't do this. This is way beyond me. Oh, Lord God, I don't know what to say. Oh, Lord God, behold, I have no idea that my dude, Josiah, we're about the same age, and he's doing some great stuff, man. This is going to go for a long time. In fact, he goes like 30-some years. But it's going to wipe out. Where you're starting, Jeremiah, this dude isn't going to last. He's going to die and his kids are going to be absolutely horrible. So don't take comfort in what is going on right now in your comfort zone of, hey, we got a great leader. Hey, by the way, a Republican got voted in. I shouldn't have said that out loud. Oh, Lord God, that there's spiritual revitalization really going on right now. They've broken out the book of the law. People are falling. They're doing all this great stuff. They're tearing down the ashram poles. They're tearing down the idols. Good stuff is happening. Oh, Lord God, behold, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not up for this. Can you get the heart of Jeremiah? 
That's the context where God says, I knew you before you were knit in the womb. I'm appointing you for this. And what's his response? Just like ours would be. Seriously? Put the weight on your shoulders as a young fellow outside of your comfort zone to do something. As a young lady. And God responds. This is the cool part. God says, hey, I'm calling you. Jeremiah gets his, I want to interact with you. God's, cool. I'll respond to that. We'll keep on going, Jeremiah. And God responds, Jeremiah, you are young, but you're going to go where I say to go. Jeremiah, I know you don't want to know, I know you don't know what to say, but I'm going to tell you what to say. Jeremiah, don't be afraid. I will deliver you. For those of us who have been a little bit of Jeremiah, does Jeremiah make it through this without any scars? No, he's going to have some life scars. He's going to have some wounds. He's going to spend some time in the bottom of some cisterns. He's going to cry to God. But God says, don't be afraid, uh, Jeremiah, I'll be with you. So God responds to him. But I want you to note something here. Even with this information, Jeremiah doesn't know where he's going to go. God just said, I'm going to tell you where to go. Does Jeremiah know yet what to say? No. Does Jeremiah know what his future holds? So the call of God on our life precludes our excuses. And the fact, I may not know what to say, but God says, I'll tell you what to say. So without all the information, Jeremiah is still called to respond to what God has called him to do. Therefore, we have 51 more chapters to see how this comes about. Pick up with me in verse 9. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I've set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. I like that. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. Behold, I have put my words in your mouth, Jeremiah. Jeremiah experiences a personal, intimate relationship with God. Unlike Isaiah, where God reaches out and cleanses his mouth from sin, this is a, hey, I'm putting the words to comfort you and to give you what to say. It's two totally different experiences. But the two are alike in this, that if we're going to go forth for God, you have to have a personal relationship with him. Because this is going to send him on forward. You can't know about him, think about him, and have him some kind of remote interest in him to do what Jeremiah is going to do. So as we start this study of going into our mean streets, do you know who Jesus is? Have you had a personal relationship with him, a personal encounter, where the God says, I want a relationship with you. He touches you. That will change his life dramatically and propel him forward. It changes Moses' life and propels him forward. It changes Ezekiel's life and propels him forward. And how is it that today we don't think we need that to be propelled forward? How does he not go insane by what everything he has to go through because of this experience with God? God literally removes the excuse of what do I say by giving Jeremiah the word the excuse of what do I say by giving Jeremiah the word Jeremiah now will become the prophet God's messenger of God's view of the news 
Jeremiah goes from priest to prophet. Jeremiah's authority, look at that, is no longer a little boy just outside of Jerusalem, but an international powerhouse. Look at the words that God uses there in verse 10. I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to what? Pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow. Four of those words aren't nice, are they? Welcome to your first day on the job. Nobody's going to like you, and you're going to do these horrible things. This is what's going to happen. The action verbs that I give you for your job description are like this. I wouldn't sign on, would you? But he also adds to build and to plant. Have you ever found yourself in that situation where you're like, I don't know what to say. You're in a group of people and you don't know what to say. You've met some people and you're like, whoa boy, this guy is really smart or this person's incredibly sarcastic or this person cusses like a sailor and I'm not sure if I can interact with them well. How many of you have been there? Oh yeah, a lot. As we go into our mean streets, we will cry out just like Jeremiah over and over, I don't know what to say. How do we know what to say? God's Word, the Bible, it gives us what to say. Spending time with people who know how to communicate God's Word in the community. You don't know how to do it by yourself. When you hang, get in the hip pocket of somebody that does and go with them. And hang, get in the hip pocket of somebody that does and go with them. It's one thing to know about God's Word, then it's another thing to see somebody actually use it, apply it, and say, hey, walk with me and let's do this. It's the difference between going to an evangelism program where you hey, here's these four things you say, sign at the bottom, you've been trained, by. We don't do that in the workplace, but we think that's a cool thing to do in the local church. Now, Tyler, you're really good at talking to smart Alex. Hey, I got this smart Alex at work, I don't know how to talk to you. Hey, hang on with Tyler, he's really good with that. How do I know what to say? Learn what to say, hang out with people that know how to communicate God's word in all of our mean streets, and then allowing the Holy Spirit to control us, to fill us, and to use us. He's promised not to leave us as orphans even when times are tough. So you're out there on the job site all by yourself, and you're like, ooh, I don't know what to say. God, help me. Boom. I'm not leaving you. I've called you to communicate. I've called you to do this. I'm not abandoning you now. Jeremiah, Dell, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to tell you what to say. And by the way, here's how it's going to go. Verse 11. So God has this personal encounter with Jeremiah. Jeremiah has this incredibly personal encounter with God. Worlds are changing. God's reassured him with his words. Very direct. Now God's going to give him some pictures. Pick up with me in verse 11. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, you've seen well, for I'm watching over my word to perform it. Now how many of you I just read that went, what? Come on. <laughs> God's like being incredibly sarcastic. Bonnie, what do you see? Oak tree. You did good. I'm watching. Okay, this is really cool. This is where we miss it in Hebrew. Jeremiah says, God says, hey, Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah says, I see a shakod. God says, good, because I'm shakad. It's a play on words. 
They sound incredibly familiar. Almond branch and watching sound really cool. I tried to think of a word to do this in English, but it just bombed. So I figured I'd try to pretend like I knew how to say Hebrew. And so he's saying, I see a shakot. Jeremiah, what do you see? And by the way, there's all kinds of almond branches, almond trees where he grew up. So he saw something that he knew. What do you see? I see an oak tree. Well, we see a lot of oak trees in Ocala. Jeremiah would have been like, hey, it's an almond branch. Yeah, we're out here. Good God. Yeah, that's a good vision. So he used to play on words. I'm watching. Almond branch. Shakot. God says, I'm watching. Shakot. What? Okay, so we get to I'm watching. And it sounds like, I've given you my word. I've told you what you're going to do. I'm going to watch over it to see it happen. This is what God's saying to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I know you don't want to know what, I know you don't know what to say, but I'm going to give you what to say. And I'm going to make sure that happens. Look at the eternal interacting with the finite. There's participation between two parties. I'm going to tell you, Ray, what to say this week when you go back home. And by the way, it's going to happen because I'm God, he says. But what's your participation? Go sit in front of the TV and not do anything? Not to pick on you, Ray, but you were asleep. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jeremiah, here's the word. Okay, got that. You touched my mouth. Jeremiah, I'm watching over it. Ooh, I have to participate for this to come about. How many of us like to know and not do? I've gone, I've bellied up to the buffet of God's word, and I'm full of it. But as I go to work this week, I don't have to exercise. I can be a spiritually fat person. Kind of rough way I put that, wasn't it? My wife shook her head, yes. Jeremiah, I'm giving you the word. Now I'm going to watch it happen. It implies participation with the God of the universe that says, here's what you're going to do, Jeremiah. So let's move into the second vision. Verse 13, we'll go 13 through 15. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north disaster shall let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I'm calling all the tribes of the kingdom of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come. And everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gate of Jerusalem, against its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for, they are, for their evil and forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. But you... Dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I've commanded you. Do not be dismayed at them, lest I dismay you before them. And behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials and its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. So the second vision. Boiling pot. Envision with me for a second this second scene. You're sitting in front of the campfire. There's a cooking pot on it. And the fire is building up. And they're doing good. And the pot's just at that right temperature. 
as you cook out on a campfire, it's kind of challenging to get the temperature right. Then a gust of wind starts blowing in harder and harder. And the smoke gets bigger and bigger. And the flames are bigger. And, and Grandma's like, yeah, move the pot, move the pot. It's going to boil. So Jeremiah is sitting in front of the campfire watching this pot. And it gets hotter and hotter. The flames are blowing in. The smoke's blowing in his eyes. And the pot boils over. God says, from the north, that is coming. Jeremiah, I'm with you. I've called you. Here's what you're going to... I'm going to give you the words to say. And by the way, I'm watching and make sure this will happen. And guess what's going to happen, Jeremiah? Something wicked this way comes. The pot's going to boil over. Another image that he would have easily been able to see from his childhood. The winds of war are blowing from the north. Remember, this is he's getting his start when things are good. The borders are secure. In fact, they've recently grown. War that will bring disaster to the very gates of Jerusalem. But God's charge to Jeremiah. See that starting in verse 16. For behold, I'm calling the... Um, and I will declare my judgments against them. Jeremiah, tell the people that they're not worshiping God and God only. This is where we make the good the great. Because we're like, hey, I don't really create something out of wood and cover it with some gold and bow down to worship. But we have a really good time making the good thing, making it the great thing. Family, is it important? Absolutely. But if you worship family ahead of God, is that the great? That's God's judgment coming. Do we worship stability, financial stability, and say, yeah, I'll give more to God because I'm now financially secure? We've made the good thing the great thing. So what have you done, and you look back in your life this week, what did I take that was good and moved it ahead of God and made it the greatest? That's idle. And our hearts are idle factories. They worship what their hands had made. How many men today, when you go to lunch, or you meet somebody in the office, or you, you're retired, hey, what'd you do for a living? What is the implied idea on that question? What's your value based upon what you did and how much money did you make? Every guy does it. On the mountain bike trail, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a pastor. Oh, well, okay. That's in a different category. I owned my own business, and I'm able to retire now comfortably in Florida. What does that say to the man who heard you? Of what you did with your hands? Did that give you financial stability? To be able to enjoy the later years. You do great work. I'm a black of the two of you. But if taking care of those kids become more than what you do with God, then you can say, hey, my hands have done this. Look at this. I got good behavior change from these children. It's where we take the good and the great and we mix it around. And God says, pay attention to that because you shall worship me and worship me only. I think God says it like 10,000 times before we got to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, gird up your loins. Get ready for work. First Peter talks about this too. We, you know, hey, get your, pull yourself together, man. That's what we say today. Gird up your loins. I don't have time to go into it today. 
But there's this cool illustration. Put your, if you're going running, put your running stuff on. Jeremiah, I've given you some words. What to say? Now I want you to get up. I want you to say it, and I want you to stand firm. What's God saying? Hey, Jeremiah, we've got some work to do together. And it's going to be 40 plus years together doing this. Get up off your hind end and get ready to do something. I've communicated with you. I've met with you. We have a relationship now. Don't just sit there with the information I've got you, given you and you're like, whoa, you're not going to believe what God's going to do. It's coming from the north. Get up. Communicate it. Stand firm. Jeremiah, God turns him into a prophet. Look at the words that he uses for Jeremiah. I'm going to make you a fortified city. In that time, a fortified city was a great big deal. I'm going to make you an iron pillar. Incredible place to, upon which to build a foundation. And I'm going to make you a bronze wall. Expensive, costly, and boy, the coming out of that is a lot of heat. Jeremiah, what did he just get done saying? There's a bad wind blowing in from the north, and who is it coming against? Jerusalem. People were going to wage war against Jerusalem. Jeremiah, I'm going to make you Jerusalem. I want to make you of that fortified city. I'm going to make you that iron pillar. I'm going to make you that bronze wall. When we go into our mean streets, God has said, hey, I know it's going to be tough, and I'm going to use language of interacting with you that reflects that. If you are a fortified city and you are attacked, do you take some bruises? Do you take some onslaught? Absolutely. By the language God uses with our new prophet, we know that there's something coming. Not only the wind is blowing in from the north, but he's using language of battle with his man. Ladies and gentlemen, as we go into our week and it's like, ooh, I got to say something, I got to get off my hand down, I got to gird up my loins, I got to get ready for action, is it going to be a smooth, good week? Possibly, possibly not. Are you promised clear sailing? If you can look back and say the last six months have been pretty cool because we haven't had any conflict in our community. Everything is going great and everybody I've talked to has loved me to death. Are you taking God's word to that community? Enemies. Jeremiah's enemies will mostly be from his community. We have a tendency to say how bad the world is out there and they're just so messed up. And we watch the news and we see how that community or that group of people have really messed things up. Who is the audience that Jeremiah gets the joy of speaking to? Mostly Judah. During a time of great spiritual revitalization with a great king and leader, he's called to go to them. Sometimes where God has called us to is the most unlikely of places and unlikely of people. But these strong words, I want you to remember the context in which it was given to Jeremiah. He's not being sent up to the north to give a diplomatic relationship to the winds that are blowing in from up there. Who's he sent to? Judah. The little dinky town. Little dinky country. 
stay there. Uh, and he, Jeremiah's going to say some cool stuff about them. And there's going to be a lot of chapters that's going to tell what's going to happen to these countries. But the bulk of Jeremiah is for the people of Judah. Their enemies, the kings, the officials, all people from top to bottom. But the one that sticks out to me are the priests. From here on out, where God is calling you, you're going to lose the comfort zone of where you were comfortable and where you were supposed to be. You went to class with them. You went all the time and you spent time with them. You lived with them and it was in your zip code. Chapter 1, Jeremiah, these people are going to be your enemies from here on out. It's definitely, well, it's kind of ironic. It's Valentine's Day, but this wouldn't be a Valentine's card sent to Jeremiah from God. Welcome to the next 43 years of ministry. I remember, how does he manage to make it through taking God's word to his community? By meeting this relationship with God, knowing God's got it, God's watching over it, God's working with him to see it come to fruition. And finally, they will not prevail, Jeremiah. They will not prevail. You will prevail. We're going to study a lot about Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is going to go through some really, really tough situations. So the definition of not prevail over you and God's definition is not the lack of difficulty. God's definition is you will live through this and I will be with you. It's not the lack of conflict. There's going to be some conflict, Jeremiah. There's going to be an incredible pain. And how does Jeremiah go into his glory days, his retirement? What does Jeremiah's retirement program look like at the beginning of the book? You're going to be a refugee with the people I've called you to go to. The winds are blowing in. You're going to lose everything. You're going to put it on your back. And you'll be hauled off with the rest of the captain. Quite the pep talk, isn't it? I mean, you're ready for, hey, Pastor Todd, turn this ship around. I'm tired of this. And we're going to do 51 more chapters of this. When we go into life this week, we have the promise that Pastor Michael talked of of Jesus' return. And we have the promise of life with him now. Has he left us or abandoned us? No. Has he given us what to say? Yes. Do we have people in our community with which to go into our community and speak what God has given us to say? Absolutely. So we're going to spend the rest of this time in Jeremiah with a compatriot because we want to reach our mean streets because Judah will be a mean street area for Jeremiah. So wherever you're at this week, who will go with you? How are you going to know what to say? How will you be God's messenger? Every one of us has that this week. What will you do with the information God has given? I like that. The kids were really easy. Go tell them that. The illustration went off a lot easier than I kind of planned it would. God has said, I've touched you. Here's my word I put it in your mouth. Get up, rise, stand firm. I'm with you, and I'm going to see it come about. 
Will you join him and the family as you do that this week? Let's pray. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or the sermon you just heard, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org.